we had just gotten back from one of our times being overseas. We were on a furlough, and we were in this area and going shopping as a family and trying to, to pick out some new clothes, and we saw that I think it was the boot barn or one of the boot stores was having a sale on boots. You buy one and get two free. We said, all right, that sounds like a good deal. So we decided to go as a family, and we went to the boot store, and we're walking around, taking time, and trying on different boots, and all of a sudden I hear off kind of across the store a small little voice of one of our children, wouldn't want to point out which one, just happens to be our oldest, <laughs> wouldn't want to mention by name her. And, and, and I'm trying on some boots, and I hear the person saying, how do those fit, or how do those feel? And she says, good, do you know Jesus? <laughs> Whoa. And she got a response by the person who was wearing, well, yes, I do know Jesus. And they had a conversation about being Christians. And afterwards, I kind of looked at Heather, and I was like, man, yeah, this is awesome. She's just going straight into sharing the gospel. But we've had that, and, and sometimes we, we've had interactions with people to where we'll try to figure out how do we segue, how do we move to sharing the gospel? I don't know about for you, but sometimes that can be a challenge. And so sometimes there's the approach, like someone who's not going to be named here, that you just go. You just go. And so we, we also had a friend in seminary, a lovely lady, and her husband and I were friends in classes together, and her approach was anything that somebody said, you could say, I know something that's better than that. His name is Jesus. <laughs> so they might say, oh, you're out to dinner. And somebody's like, oh, man, this, this cake is amazing. You know, it's better than that cake. Jesus. <laughs> now, for some of us, we might go, oh, that's, I don't know if that's my comfort level. I'm trying to share the gospel. But I'll tell you what, they're trying to be faithful, right? They're trying to be faithful. And I think the Lord blesses that. Over the last few weeks, we've been kind of getting back to the basics. Uh, normally, if you're a guest of ours, we like to work through books of the Bible. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we finished the book of Daniel, and in a few weeks, we will start the book of Mark and walk through, verse by verse, the Gospel of Mark. But as we're going back to the basics right now, part of what we've been studying is, is to some degree, the idea of covenant. We started back in, in week one of this little series, and we talked about that God uses covenants to make for himself a people. We see in the Old Testament, we saw in Genesis 1 and 2, the covenant of works, and there was a deal. Adam, you can live here and we can walk together. It's going to be great. Just don't eat from that tree. Well, how did that go? Not so well. So that one was broken. But then the Lord has this, this plan that he puts into place through a whole bunch of covenants. We would say you could put them together, as I said, you could put them together as the covenant of grace. So this covenant of works in Genesis 1 and 2, and then this whole covenant of grace, which are made up of these different covenants. So, for example, you have the Noahic covenant, the covenant God made with, with Noah, or we could say the Abrahamic covenant, um, the Mosaic, the one with Moses. Um, we could have the Davidic covenant, and then the new covenant. And so part of what we talked about that week and the next week was the new covenant, and that it's under the new covenant that God is making for himself a people called the church. Jesus' church. And so as we are a part of the, the body of Christ and we're part of the church in the second part of the sermon series, I argued for biblical church membership. We all, as Christians, are members of the universal church. All Christians, all times, all places. The universal church. And everyone in the universal church are really, really Christians. 
But then there's also the local expression of that universal church, which is known as the local church. And generally, those are believers who are in the churches, but sometimes there are people who are in the church and they're not really followers of Jesus. They either think they are, sometimes they know that they're not. Sometimes they're called wolves and false teachers and they're trying to get in. But other times there's people who just believe that they're followers at this point, but they're part of the ones that Jesus, if they do not believe, at the end will say to them, depart from me for I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. They said, well, I've done this, and I've served in Sunday school, and I've, I've prepared meals, and I've preached sermons, or I've uh, led the hymns. And he'll say, depart from me. I never really knew you. You knew a lot about me, but you didn't really know me. And so inside the local church, this local expression of the universal church, there will be those who are mostly believers, but sometimes non-believers. But every Christian, if they're able to, I argued in the second sermon, needs to be a member of a local church, a covenant member. And that's where we got into that term covenant again. In the third week, we talked about, which was last week, we talked about as followers of Jesus, we're to be making disciples, and we talked about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And part of my exhortation to you was, if you're not following Jesus, stop calling yourself a Christian, because you're not one. You need to follow. Now, it's not that our following is what makes us a Christian. It's that all genuine Christians will truly follow. And part of following, you might go, oh, well, uh, sometimes I sin, so maybe I'm not a Christian. No, no, no. Part of following Jesus is actually, what's included in there is repentance. Part of following him is when we do sin, we repent of that sin and we keep following him over and over and over again. We keep falling down. Some of you are like, man, I spend more time on the ground than I do (laughs) feeling like I'm following him. You know what? That's okay. Are you repenting of sin and are you still going? And even when you're on the ground, keep crawling. And then we talked about how we're to follow Jesus together. That's part of, again, being the local church and following him. So when you hit the ground face first, and you're like, I can't go on any longer. The rest of us come and grab you and say, no, 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 let's go. Keep going together. We're going to keep following. We're going to keep following. And then, Lord willing, we will reach glory together. So what I want to cover today then is getting back to the basics and how we are ambassadors for Christ. Again, we are to be making disciples. That's part of the, the commission that we have. We're followers of Jesus. And to be a follower of Jesus is, to, again, to make those disciples and to be these ambassadors for Christ. So we're going to look at a bunch of different verses today as we go through, and I make an argument for us to be ambassadors for Christ. So as followers of Jesus, we are his ambassadors, and we are to make disciples by, here's the two things, reaching out to the lost and building up his church. Today, we're going to talk about the reaching out to the lost. So let's look at some scriptures together and see what the Lord has for us today. We're going to start in Mark chapter 1. Again, we will be bouncing around, so you can either turn there in your Bibles, or you have the notes, and you can just follow along. Miss Lori's going to do her best over there to keep up on the screen, so they'll be up here too. But let me encourage you to grab the notes or use your Bibles. Mark chapter 1, 16 through 20. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee... He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. We talked about this verse last week and how immediately they got up and went after Jesus because they were part of the sheep who hear his voice. But this week, I want to focus in on the fishers of men. 
They're fishermen, and he says, no, no, now follow me, and I'm going to give you a new trade. I'm going to give you a new focus. You're going to be a fisher of men or fishers of men and women. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, some of you are going to be very familiar with this passage. At the end of the book of Matthew, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You know, a real side note here, you know sometimes we're like, oh man, it'd be so amazing to see Jesus if he was just right here in front of me. Man, then I'd really, if I could see God, then I would really believe. There's people who had him right in front of them and they still doubted. The Spirit and the Word are enough. We can still have faith even if we don't see Jesus right in front of us. Will we see him one day? Yes, face to face. But God has given us his Word and the Spirit. So even these guys, some of those who were there were doubting. Verse 18, And Jesus came, to, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, or another way you could translate this is, As you're going, make disciples. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Look at the scope there. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. As you're going, make disciples. That's the charge. And obviously this can't be only to the apostles because it's supposed to go to the ends of the earth. It's going to require more than that. So it's to the apostles and then they're going to share it to others and others. And it's going to be given to the church and we're to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But not just for evangelism. That's part of it. But it's to make disciples. After the book of Matthew, you get into the book of Acts, after the Gospels, Acts chapter 1, 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Another thing you might say here is, Lord, are you coming back now? Is, is now the time you're going to come, Lord? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Don't focus on the wrong things. Don't be so caught up in when the rapture's happening that you forget to make disciples. Don't be focused on that. Focus on making disciples. But you will receive, verse 8, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. The disciples, about 120, are gathered together here. And Jesus is saying, wait for the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes, part of the uniqueness of what's going to happen is you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And of course, we know that they continue to gaze, and an angel says, what are you, what are you doing? What are you looking at? And they said, they said he's going to come back the same way. Your job is to focus on doing what he's told you to do. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 11 through 21, this is where we get this idea of ambassadors that I was talking about. The Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. There's not language there. Persuade. Trying to reason with people. But what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us or compels us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. 
and he died for all, that those who, might, those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, because he's died for all and we're supposed to live for him, Paul says now in 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. What's he saying there? We're not going to look at people with just fleshly eyes. We're going to see that God can work in anybody and he can save anybody. Anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. So we're not going to look at somebody and go, oh, no, 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 that person's too far gone. Oh, we don't need to share with that person. Oh, no, we need to avoid that person. No, 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 no. We're not going to look with our eyes. Some of you have family members. Some of you have children. Some of you have grandchildren, perhaps spouses. And you're like, they're so far from God. I'm not sure they're ever going to believe. Is their heart still beating? Then there is still hope. Don't look at them just according to the flesh. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, listen to this good news. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. All this is from God. God does all this, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That goes back to what we talked about in that eternal covenant, the agreement before the foundations of the world that we saw. There was a plan between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Father has the plan. He says, go execute, Son. The Son is willing to go and live that perfect life that each one of us should have lived, but we didn't. You do know that, right? You, none of you have lived perfect lives, right? Okay, just making sure. But Jesus did. Keeping the law perfectly. So that way, as he's that sacrifice on the cross, he's the spotless lamb who dies for us. And it's through Christ that God's reconciling the world to us, or to himself. Verse 19, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's a remarkable verse. Beloved, you are ambassadors. But I wonder for many of you, if the world was to say what your job is, if the world was to look at you and go, oh yeah, I know who this person is, would they think for even a moment that you're an ambassador of Christ? Or do you talk way more about everything else than you do your own king? Think about it for a second, right? Other countries, they have ambassadors that go. How would we feel if we had ambassadors who are overseas and they do nothing for the United States? They're not really discussing our policies, the things that we're trying to accomplish. They're not representing our president and others. They're just not really doing anything. Do you think that they would last very long as an ambassador? Probably not. They shouldn't. We are here living in this world, but we're not of this world. Your citizenship is somewhere else, amen? It is in heaven. And so you're here as an ambassador, pleading with people 
to come to Christ. Or at least that's what we should be doing. So, that being said, go down on your notes here. I have nine things about reaching the lost, and then five practical things to help you to segue to the gospel. Nine things. Good number, right? Nine? Sound good? Let's look at some of these from the scriptures. Number one, here's ways to help us to be ambassadors for Christ. Number one, pray for those God has already put in your life who are not believers. How many of you are praying for those around you that are lost? I mean, genuinely praying like Paul, in tears, praying for them. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as is happening among you. Paul's writing here saying, hey, pray that as the word goes forward, that people will believe. That's what was happening in Thessalonica. And so he's saying, pray that way. So brothers and sisters, we need to be praying for those in our lives, for those that we're going to be sharing with. Pray that their hearts will be ready and that they would believe. Second, share the gospel with those God has already placed in your life. Mark 5, 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea. This is Jesus and his disciples to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Okay? Got a demon-possessed man living in the tombs. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. They tried to chain this guy, and he would just break him. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles into pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Nobody could do anything for this guy. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Can you imagine somebody living that way? There are some that live like this, cutting themselves because of the pain that they have. And when he saw Jesus, watch this, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. So not just one demon inside, but a legion of demons inside. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. Notice whose idea this is. There's the pigs there. The demons say, don't, don't send us this, just send us to those pigs. It's their idea. So Jesus gave them permission. Still have to have Jesus' permission. Don't miss that. Just because things, go back to the book of Daniel, just because things look out of control, they are never out of God's control. They need Jesus' permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd numbering around 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. Verse 15, And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man. Watch this. The one who had had the legion. 
He's sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And watch this. And they were afraid. He's a crazy guy full of demons that they couldn't even bind anymore. And now he's sitting there in his right mind with clothes on and they're afraid because they know it is a supernatural thing that must have taken place. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. Now watch this. The, the pigs die. A guy's life is restored. He's been cutting himself. And watch what happens. And they begin to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Get out of here. Please. We don't know what you're doing. This guy's right now and, and he was wrong before and you killed our pig. Just get out of here. Please get away from us. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. You catch that? Everyone else is saying, get out of here, Jesus. We don't want you around. The guy who's been healed, whose life's been changed, what's he doing? Can I come with you? I just want to be with you. You fixed my life. I just want to be with you. And then, twist ending. And he did not permit him. It's not what you expect. That's not what you expect in the story. You expect, please, Jesus, you've healed me. Let me come with you. You expect to say, hey, man, get in the boat. Let's go. Jesus says, no. No. He did not permit him, but he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim, and that word there means ten villages, how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Do you see what happened? Everyone comes, they're like, we don't know what's going on, you get out of here, Jesus. The guy says, I'd like to go with you, can I come, Jesus? Jesus says, no, no, you got to go back to those people, and you need to tell them what has happened. And everyone marveled. And we find out later that there are believers that come from this place. So the second point I had for you is share the gospel with those God has already put in your place, in your life, just like this guy did. Your job is to share the gospel with the people around you. As your life is changed, as you're different, as you're not demon-possessed any longer, as you're no longer an enemy of God, your job is to share the gospel and what God has done for you with others. Number three, do good to others and serve them with humility. Do good to others and serve them with humility. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do good to others and serve them. This is what opens up for the conversation of the gospel. Don't do good works, and then everyone just thinks you're a great person, and then you don't point them to Christ. That's receiving the glory for yourself. As you do good works, look. notice they're supposed to glorify your Father in heaven. How are they going to do that? Well, you have to tell them, the reason I do these good works is because I'm different 
Because of what Jesus has done. I'm a new creation. One of our elders was visiting uh, one of our shut-ins recently. And the shut-ins just could not get over how people were willing to come and help them. And really was talking well of the church, which is a good thing, and talking well of that elder and to that elder. And the elder said, I want to just be very clear with you on this. This is not because we're good, but this is because God's good. He loves you, and it's going through us to you. Very quick to deflect that glory because the glory belongs to God. So the third thing I'd have for you is do good to others and serve them with humility as you're trying to evangelize. It's how you're able to evangelize and be an ambassador. Number four, ask God to bring others in your life that he wants you to pray for and with whom you're supposed to share the gospel. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, this is the Apostle Paul writing, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. The Apostle Paul is saying, pray, church, but also we pray, that God would help us with people who are going to come, new people. God, we're going to be faithful with the ones you've given us, but also pray for open doors. When you get up each and every day, do you wake up? I'm asking, do you wake up, think, and go, God, please bring people in my life that I can share your gospel with. If you do that every day, you think that's a, a prayer he's willing to answer? <laughs> yeah, some of you are like, I'm not sure I want to pray that. If you're a mom right now who can't get out of the house perhaps or maybe you have health issues and you can't get out, here's one for you. Pray, God, bring someone to my front door that I could share the gospel with. Can God do that? Can God work in somebody's life that they would show up needing to hear the gospel from you? Oh, he can. He absolutely can. When we were in Africa and Heather had our little ones and she was at the house and she was homeschooling and it was pretty crazy, she couldn't get out very often. So part of her prayer was, God, would you bring someone to us that we could share the gospel with? Right now, for some of you, there's a season to where you have, just your, you have your children in the home. You, maybe you have times with your grandchildren. That's also reaching out to the lost if they don't know the Lord. Be faithful with anyone that's around you, including your family members, but also pray and ask God, God, give me an opportunity. I'm going to tell you in a few moments of an opportunity I had the other day after praying this very thing as I was preparing for the sermon, but not yet. Number five, know what the gospel is and how to share it. Seems pretty simple, but we really should know that, right? I mean, it, we're supposed to share the, the good news of Jesus with other people, but if you don't know what the gospel is, then how can you share it with people? Romans 1, 16 and 17 says this. Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. What's the, the power of God for salvation? The gospel. No gospel, you're not going to have the power of God to salvation. That's what he uses for people to come to faith. They have to believe in the gospel, believe in Christ. So it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Think for a second, if somebody says to you, what is the gospel? Hopefully right away you're going to say, it's the good news. But can you say it? Can you share 
the gospel message with somebody. If you're kind of like, ah, I'm not, I think I could. Well, then we need to work on that. Be like an ambassador, like, oh yeah, who's your, who's your president? I'm not really sure. Oh, well, what do you guys stand for? Really don't know. That wouldn't work well, guys. So over there, we have resources for you on sharing the gospel. Who is Jesus? This will help you. Breaks down the gospel for us. A couple other books on the gospel. And this one, which I'll mention again shortly, Two Ways to Live. This is the best summary of the gospel in a full scale that I've seen. And it's over there for you. Make sure you know how to share the gospel. You're ready to give a defense, as Peter says. Know what the gospel is and how to share it. Number six, use your testimony of God's grace to show people the power of the gospel. Okay? Now, your testimony in itself will not save people, okay? Jesus saves people, but it's through the gospel. In short, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus on our behalf. But Galatians 1, 18 through 24, the, the Apostle Paul writing again here. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you, before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, listen to this, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And watch what they did. And they glorified God because of, what's it say? Because of me. Not because Paul's done something great. But because God's done something great. This guy who used to kill Christians is now preaching the same message. And they glorified God. So when you talk to people, you share the gospel with them, the power of God unto salvation. And then you say, let me tell you about how that gospel makes you a new creation. For Paul, it would be, I used to kill Christians, now I am one. For some of you, it might be, I used to be addicted to drugs and alcohol, and now I follow Christ. Before, I used to be in a different religion, a false religion, and now I follow him. Whatever it is, it's part of your testimony, which is unique. It's the way God has worked in you. And so the people who are around you that he brings into your life, he wants you to use that so they will glorify him. But some of you are too busy talking about politics instead of the gospel, instead of the testimony of God's grace. We're too busy talking about other things. We are getting distracted, friends. I'm not saying those things aren't important. They are important. But we are getting distracted and we're losing our focus. You are first and foremost an ambassador for Christ. If you talk more about everything else instead of Christ, you are failing at your job, period. So then we repent of that and we say, you know what? Well, I'm going to work on that. God, Spirit, help me to do this. Number seven, be intentional to invite non-believers to be around you and other Christians so that they can see the love that you have for one another. John 17, 20 through 21, I do not ask, this is Jesus' prayer, high priestly prayer, I do not ask for these only, meaning his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I'm asking for all Christians, all those who are going to become Christians, Jesus is praying, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Listen to that language. He literally says, I'm praying, Jesus' high priestly prayer, I'm praying for all Christians that will ever be Christians. I pray that they would have unity and be one so that the world will know that Jesus came from heaven. That's how important our unity is, and that's how important that the world needs to see that unity. An example of this. 
Some of our younger men decided to go golfing a few weeks ago. And they went out and they invited a non-believer with them. And they're out hitting golf balls and probably not hitting them very well sometimes and sometimes hitting them well. And they're having a good time together. And as it was reported back to me, as they were talking about different things and saying different things in being different than other groups of guys out there golfing and whatever they're doing, which are not godly, this group, among this guy who's a non-believer, he kind of looks and he shakes his head and goes, you Christians. (laughs) But he knew. He knew. They're brothers who are together spending time, inviting them in to see us. Not into church membership, because you need to be a follower of Jesus to be a member of his body, but to come around and see the love that we have. It is vital. That would be the seventh there. Eight, ask for others to pray for you and that you would have boldness and protection. Ask for others. Say, hey, I'm going to be sharing the gospel today with my grandmother, with my grandchild. I just had somebody email me the other day say, hey, I'm about to have a long drive with my grandson. I'm trying to figure out how I can share the gospel with my grandson. He's 12, he's going to be 13. I, I want to know, what do you think? Should I say this? What, what are some thoughts here? So I'm going to be praying for that trip. Why? Well, Ephesians 6, 16-20. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, Paul says, pray also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, then I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You see the ending there? The words that I need to say, protection from the evil one, and that I may boldly preach the gospel. How many of you struggle with boldness with preaching the gospel? Yeah, so you should have other people praying for you. Last one of the nine helpful, hopefully, truths about sharing the gospel. Acts 4, 13-22. Listen about Peter and John here. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men. Ouch. Maybe. They looked and said, yeah, these guys aren't very smart. They're just common. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had recognized, we've talked about this before, they they knew that they were with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they, confront, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. We can't deny that something amazing has happened, and they've healed somebody. We can't deny that. So what are you going to do? Well, what they should have done is believed. But instead, they're coming up with a plan. We're going to scheme here. Verse 17, But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them, to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You keep your mouth shut when it comes to this Jesus guy. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And they threatened them a little longer and then they let them go. Notice what they said there. We can't help it. How many of you have kids? Show of hands. How many of you have grandkids? 
How many of you have a hard time sharing that information with other people? You have a hard time sharing, telling other people that you have kids and grandkids? Oh, no. I didn't think so. I was about to say, man, that was a backfire <laughs> illustration. Not difficult at all to tell people about your kids and your grandkids. Why? Let me hear. Why? Why is that not difficult? Huh? You know them. You, you love them. Fantastic. Other reasons? Why is it so easy to talk about your kids and grandkids? They're a joy? What's that? You're proud of them? Good. Any of those things not true of Jesus? You don't love him? You don't know him? You're not proud of what he's done? Hmm. Just saying we talk about what we love. So here's the thing. You need to fall more in love with Jesus. Fall more in love with him. See who he is. See what he's done for you. And then you will be like them. You cannot help but talk about him. You're going to be like, yeah, thank you for these boots. They fit pretty nice. Do you know Jesus? He's better than these boots. I mean, these boots are nice, but he's way better than these boots. Those are the nine things I have for you. Five practical takeaways with a little bit of an embarrassing story. Five practical takeaways. Here's how I'm trying to help you to segue, to, to move conversations to the gospel. I'm trying to help you. Number one, anytime someone talks about a difficult time they are having, ask if you can pray for them in that moment. In that moment, Ask if you can pray for them. There's plenty of people out there complaining about how hard things are. Say, can I pray for you right now? And as you're praying, ask God to make himself known to them. And then go back and check on the situation. Go back and say, hey, we, we prayed for your grandfather the other day together. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, okay. Tell me about it. How's he doing? Let's pray again. I'm praying that God's going to show you his power and who he is in this situation. Try that. Try that. You'll be amazed. All you're doing is setting up God to be God. And just to let you know, he does a really good job of being God. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Say things that will spark conversations or questions. One of the elders at a church that sent us overseas, every time you ask the guy, how are you doing today? He said, better than I deserve. Going to a gas station, you say that to somebody? Don't really hear that one very often. Sometimes you'll get a, oh, amen. That's a great, oh, yeah, you think that too? Why? Right there. Or they might go, better than you deserve. Oh, no, no, you deserve a lot of good things. No, I deserve hell, actually. Jesus saved me, though. It's easy. Figure out things to say to people. Don't look like the world. <laughs> Speak differently than the world, right? Number three, wear clothing or jewelry that will open up conversations. Okay. Confession time. I'm praying this week, Lord, you know, evangelize. I need to do a better job. We need to do a better job. And I had my shirt on that goes from this little uh, thing here. It calls Two Ways to Live. It's all it says across. Two Ways to Live. Some of you see me wear it. Two Ways to Live. And on the back, it has all these different symbols that's used like this to help you share the gospel with somebody. So I go the other day to Walmart. I'm wearing my Two Ways to Live. I didn't even realize I was wearing it. That's what I was wearing. Okay. So I'm going to go. And I'm praying, Lord, man, give me opportunity today, Lord. As this is on my mind, our heart. So I go in. I get over to the pharmacy little section there. Lady comes up. Ah, two ways to live, huh? All right, tell me about it. Ah. I'm not joking, y'all. I'm being honest with you right now. I went, uh, uh. you either follow God or you don't. That's not, that's not clear enough. You either follow Jesus or you're not. She goes, that's right, Jesus Christ, amen. She walked on. I was like, oh my gosh. For a brief moment, I thought I'm going home. 
whoa. So, okay, well, I get over, doing some more shopping. I go over, I'm in the little kids section, picking up some things. Lady walks by, she goes, ah, two ways to live, the right way and the wrong way. Yeah. Gosh, Lord, I am failing miserably at this today. He's just setting me up, and I'm like missing it. So then I'm, in, I'm over in the produce section. This guy's staring at my shirt. I'm like, oh, man. I, I'm not even joking. I actually went the other way. I was like, oh. Would you not believe it? He ended up coming around. We passed each other again. I saw that joker four times. He just keeps looking at it. So I'm like, oh, man, I am just not. Lord, help me. I'm just bound through this. Perfect opportunities. I go outside. Taking the cart to my car, just, okay, Lord, good lesson, good lesson. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Because it came at me a way I wasn't expecting. Even I'm wearing a shirt. Just didn't even expect it. Pushing my little cart. Okay, okay. Sure enough, that joker walks right out in front of me. <laughs> well, I got to ask you, what are those two ways you think to live? <laughs> I said, all right, I'm ready this time. Okay. You're going to get it. You're going to get it now. I said, all right, well, it's either you're a follower of Christ or you're not. You're living for well, I think it's you're either rich or poor. See ya. <laughs> it just walked away. All right. Well, that didn't quite go to the conversation I was hoping for. Wear things. Wear jewelry. Wear things that are just different, that, 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 that spark somebody's you know, questions or conversation, their imagination, whatever it is. And sometimes you're just an encouragement to other Christians, and that's a good thing. But be ready when it happens. <laughs> Like, no, what am I wearing today? Okay. <laughs> Just in case I want to be able to respond. This is a big one for us, number four. This is a big one for us. Look to steer specifically political conversations to the gospel. What I mean is, you know, we can focus on when there's concerns about politics or just things going on in the world right now, you can steer those so quickly to the gospel by stating, well, yeah, you know, Things are pretty tough right now, but I'm so thankful that I just, I don't have to worry about these things because Christ is on his throne. You don't think that's going to start a conversation? Well, yeah, gas is expensive and yeah, things are getting tight, but I'm thankful that what Jesus says is that he's always going to provide for my needs. And he died for my soul, so I'm pretty sure he's going to do that too. It's that quick. And you're in a conversation. So look, be prayerful on how to do that. And this last one is listen to people and see where your Bible study might apply to that person's life. So the front side of that is you actually have to have a Bible study. <laughs> you have to have a quiet time. But I'm telling you, I've done this, and, he, and God answers this. If you say, God, with what you're reading, what you're studying, in your quiet time, what you've heard, God, allow me to use this with somebody else today. You ever had that? How many, show of hands. How many of you ever have read something and God has used that during the day? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But pray for it. Look for it. Don't miss those opportunities. Because again, you're, you're an ambassador. It's your job. So, all right, Lord, you, you, you're teaching me this in your word today. All right, I'm armed and ready. Who you got for me? And then somebody comes up and you say, you know, I was reading about that today. Something similar to that. Or, oh yeah, yeah, you know, we, we were studying that in our men's group the other night. Can I share that with you? Friends, we got to do it. We're ambassadors. What it means to be a follower of Jesus is to be his ambassadors. Getting back to the basics, there are so many people who are lost. They do not know the Lord. And he comes back, that's it. Or they die, that's it. And hell is real. 
And it's forever. The lake of fire is forever. Don't buy into that that's not real. It is. And we, we literally have the only medicine, the only message that will save people. Some of us were so willing to make our views known on vaccines and masks. Man, there were people, Christians, going through, printing off things offline, sharing it with your friends. I mean, people are just going, one, whatever side you were on, people were adamant to try to convince other people because you were worried about each other, which is a good thing. But when we are more focused on those things and worrying about that and warning people about that than we are eternity, we've got it wrong. So the prayer is that God would get us refocused. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that you have bought us. Jesus, that you have paid for us. We know that our life is not our own because we've been bought by your precious blood. And so, Lord, as we are now your ambassadors, help us to be faithful, to share with everybody. Help us to be intentional. Lord, even if it takes more time or, or things are inconvenient or whatever it is, Lord, help us to share your message with a lost and dying world so that they can glorify you, so that they can have true joy in knowing their Savior. Lord, help us to do it. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.